The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones and Ling Sporting Goods, Andy Wilhoit with United Country Realty, the Law Office of David A. Bates, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Tennessee Sports Today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yao. Good things come to those who wait. And yes, sometimes it takes us a little bit longer to get on the air, but when we do, it is no doubt the best sports talk show talking high school sports in all of Southern Middle Tennessee. So, you might as well just stick around with us. That's all I'm saying. We're coming to you live this morning on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today from the TriStar Sports Radio Headquarters in Columbia, Tennessee, West 7th, as we see fewer barrels, fewer hard hats this morning. Silt fences are starting to come down in certain areas. Not sure who's going to be sodding that grassy area over there but if it's chris chumley there you go i got a suggestion for him if it's chris chumley they're in a good spot oh man welcome into our show we have a great show for you today before we get there though mo how are you doing what's going on i'm doing well chris how about you i am having a good morning because i woke up this morning I walked outside. I was going to. Okay. So you guys are aware we were, we're we're expecting like freezing rain tonight, right? I heard something about that. Okay. So I woke up thinking it's probably going to be cold outside. Wasn't quite that cold. And here's the best part. I went to go crank the car. Didn't really need to, but I did it anyway, since I was already out there. And. Get this. Behind my car sits a pair of white Adidas shoes with the three black stripes, just brand new, still have the tags on them in my size. It's a good day. So either someone was gifting me some shoes. There's an oar. Or someone lost some shoes and gifted me some shoes. <laughs> I think whatever happened, the result is I got some someone new shoes. gifted you some shoes. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I actually did. I didn't take the shoes. I, I set them on the sidewalk because I assume someone just dropped them. Right. I mean, I can't. I don't understand. Like or I ran out of them. 
they're they still the tag <laughs> yeah. on them. Brand new shoes is the weirdest thing. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> I was like, man, this is gonna be a great story. This well, here's the deal. When you get home, the shoes are going to be gone. Now, whether they, whether they're Got back owner, to the owner or not, gets them or not is is going to be up for debate. But the shoes are not going to be there when you get home. Yeah. Sarah, go outside, get the shoes, bring them inside. That's all I'm saying. And we'll, and, and we'll take a picture and put it up on the on the bulletin board outside by the mailboxes. If you lost some shoes, we have them. And if you don't respond in the next three days, we're keeping the shoes. Must describe said shoes. <laughs> oh, that's that. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, including size and color. Yeah. Make. Yeah. If you lost some shoes, yeah, I mean, I have your shoes. Yeah. If if you lost some white Adidas with black stripe size, not and no, that's not gonna work. No, no. So because then anybody mm-hmm. could say it's their shoe. It's like when you get called to the press box. If you can tell us how much cash is in this wallet, we'll give it to you. That's how they sound at the, on the press box. If, every time. That's exactly <laughs> how they sound. Yep. Also, and however much cash was in it is wrong because there was no cash in it because it didn't get turned in with cash. That's right. <laughs> with six minutes to go in the fourth, we're going to give you half price on them hot dogs and hamburgers now. So get them while they hot. Be careful. You're hitting a little close to home now. All I'm saying is I always wait until there's six minutes to go in the fourth quarter because I'm not paying full price for a hot dog. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Doesn't matter to me. I'm going to eat a hot dog. I don't care. Dollar, two dollars. You're not getting hot dogs because when you go to Smyrna, they put out a full press press meal anyway. So, Yeah, that don't happen everywhere. That don't happen everywhere. Yeah, you got that right. Used to. Uh, there was one particular school that I would cover in Alabama that, that did real well. And it's uh, it's where the first Guthrie's was in Alabama. And uh, that was the pregame meal every time because the people who owned the franchise lived in that town. That makes sense. So they always put out plenty of chicken fingers and french fries and – what Guthrie more do you salt? need? Uh, that's, an easy, that's an easy thing for something like that, though, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. It's simple. And that's easy, you know, in a press box setting to deal with. Right, right. I mean, you, you get three or four, ten chicken fingers, <laughs> depending on how many people are up there. <laughs> Speaking of Alabama, you mentioned some news while we were just hanging out yesterday out of Alabama that was a little... I'm lost. Cordova? Oh, mm. former Shelbyville head coach, former two-week-long offensive coordinator. At, no, it wasn't even a week. He no. went in there three days. He, it, it certainly was not two weeks. Left Just Brian, ask Brian Coleman. Left, left Brian Coleman holding the bag over at Summit. Speaking Ju- of. Justin Palmer has uh, stepped down as the head football coach at Cordova High School in Walker County, Alabama, and he leaves with a 1-9 and nine record down there. Don't have any idea where he's going, but he'll, you know, wherever it is, he'll leave something behind. Uh, <laughs> I mean, at this point, we're not, we're just telling the truth. I mean, <laughs> all I know is 
whatever happened in Shelbyville, whatever rumors may be true, clearly sent this guy on a downward spiral. So <laughs> our our prayers to Justin Palmer to uh, figure it out. That's all I'm saying. Man did a heck of a job at Shelbville in Great a short job. period of time. Um, I'd like to think if he left Cordova, he knows where he's going. And, and, I, and I think it'll be interesting to try to keep an eye on that. Well, we know he was interested in at least one job here locally. So We do know that. Anyway. Before we go any further with yes. uh, pertinent information to kind of follow up, on your shoe story this yeah. morning, a couple of comments on uh, Facebook, uh, SMTN Sports on Facebook. Um, one Sarah, wasn't me this time around. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> she also added, uh, by the way, uh, this, this is, is smart. This is your lovely wife, Sarah. She also said, um, I checked the ring camera and there's nothing showing. Someone putting them there. They're still there. Right now. So James says the shoe fairy stopped by. And yes. clearly that must be the case. Mm-hmm. If the if the ring camera does not show anybody placing them there, That's right. clearly they just appeared out of nowhere. So I guess mm-hmm. you might as well go ahead and get them, Sarah. The and, shoe uh, fairy. And we will uh we'll we'll go from there. If two people deem it so, isn't that a quorum? Uh, to some it used in to some be, circles. It used to be that if two reporters at a football game said it happened, it, it happened. Well, I think we could use that same ideology here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right, real quick, we need to get to some hardware, and uh, let's do that real quick because it's very important to recognize our exceptional athletes with our end-to-end life team of the week presented by Custom Stone Handlers. For their performance after taking on a new head coach, the to close an eventful week, definitely close an eventful week. The Independence Boys Basketball Team, congratulations to you guys! Uh, well done. Sixty-four fifty-seven win Friday over Summit. Followed that up, and this one doesn't really count in this award, but, but followed it up with a seventy-three fifty-three win last night against Dixon County. So. 2-0 and o under interim coach Jeff Parker. That's correct. Our Covenant Technology Player of the Week in two of the best performances you never heard of. Didn't hear about until right now. Congratulations to Spring Hill swing player, mm-hmm. guard slash forward, Sierra yep. Stedman, yep. who had a couple of career high performances back-to-back, wasn't it? Back-to-back. She scored 29 last Tuesday night. I can't remember who it was against. And then she scored 30 Friday night against Page. Against Page. Yep. Yeah. So a couple of, couple of big performances from uh, Sierra Stedman. That's why she is our Covenant Technology Player of the Week. And finally, our Patio West Scholar Athlete of the Week. A reminder to go vote in our poll on Twitter at SM underscore TN Sports. You can win a $50 gift card to Patio West if you just vote and retweet. This week's Scholar Athlete of the Week comes from Santa Fe girls basketball player Emily Hopkins, who hosts a boasts a 3.96 GPA. The senior has a 97.78 cumulative average. She is the student council president, senior class president, an FBLA officer, and 
Miss Santa Fe. There you go. It's a heck of a resume. That's a resume. So, congratulations, Emily, for being our Patio West Scholar Athlete of the Week. All right. Now that we've handed out the hardware, let's get you caught up on the scores and schedule on the rundown. This is the rundown. In girls' action Tuesday night, Huntland defeated Cascade 61-39. It was Eagleville 49, Fayetteville 36. Moore County defeated Cornersville 55-43. Spring Hill defeated Centennial 67-23. It was Dixon County 59, Independence 34. Page knocked off Ravenwood 50-24. And the Summit girls defeated Franklin 57-42. In 2A action, it was Fairview 40, East Hickman 38, Marshall County 47, Murfreesboro Central 46, and Nolansville 39, Forest 35. Moving to Class A, Jackson County, a 59-38 winner over Mount Pleasant, Summertown 81, Collinwood 32, and Loretto, a 73-59 winner over Wayne County. In Division 2A, District 3, tournament quarterfinal action, Christ Presbyterian Academy defeated uh, Battleground Academy 42-36. It was Middle Tennessee Christian 40, Grace Christian 23, Providence Christian 50, Franklin Road Academy 31, and Webb of Bellbuckle 63, Columbia Academy 27. For the Lady Bulldogs, Maddie Lewis went over the 1,000-point mark with the third of her three-pointers on the night. Congratulations, Maddie. In boys' action in uh, Class Eight, Class A, District 8, it was Cascade 79, Huntland 52, Fayetteville 57, Eagleville 48, Moore County 66, Cornersville 39. In 8AAA, it was Columbia Central 68, Franklin County 53. And moving to 11AAA, Centennial a 66-38 winner over Spring Hill, Independence 73, Dixon County 53. Ravenwood edges page 62-61, and Franklin was a 75-57 winner over Summit. In Class AA action Tuesday night, Fairview defeated East Hickman 68-42. It was Marshall County 52, Murfreesboro Central 46. Nolansville defeated Forest 53-48. In District 10A play, Kalioka's boys defeated Santa Fe 62-59 in overtime. Andy Slaughter went over the 1,000-point mark in that loss for the Wildcats. Non-district action, Jackson County visits Mount Pleasant and defeats the Tigers 64-40. It was Summertown 86, Collinwood 46 and 12A, and Loretto 74, Wayne County 54. Tonight's schedule, a doubleheader down in Franklin County as Lawrence County travels to Winchester. Summit will host Brentwood in a doubleheader as well and district three quarterfinals of division two a columbia academy will host providence christian christ presbyterian hosts middle tennessee christian which is going to be a huge game bga will travel to franklin road academy and grace christian travels to web school and that is going to do it for your wednesday rundown on southern middle tennessee sports today All right, when we come back, we're going to talk to former Summit defensive coordinator and now Franklin head football coach, Alex Melton. 
on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We'll be right back. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. Here's Mo and Chris. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I just got to say, before we go any further, whenever JP brings us back to that, I think of a night at the Roxbury. I don't know if anybody else does or not. <laughs> We've talked about this, about the Bobbit Heads. That, yeah. that was, that's how I know I've chosen the right song, is if I get into the Roxbury mode, it's probably a keeper and goes into, uh, into the hopper. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Well done. Go ahead. Well, as we um, get ready to bring in a very special guest, we need to tell you that first, Coach's Corner is brought to you each and every Wednesday by our friends at From the Heart Cafe, located at 4384 Nashville Highway in Chapel Hill. Turn right, not left, if you're coming from Columbia. Head towards Henry Horton. Right before you get there, it's on the right. It's not hard. Um, you'll enjoy their food. They are fantastic folks over there, led by Franklin alumna Renee Hart. And since we're speaking about a Franklin alumna, we might as well bring in Franklin Admiral's brand-new head coach, Alex Melton. Coach, welcome into the show. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate that. How are you guys today? We're doing well, Coach. Um Congratulations on the new gig. Um, this went pretty quickly. I, I think um, Donnie resigned on January. Was it the twenty fifth? Was it that late? Uh, yeah, it? somewhere around in there. I, I don't quite remember yeah, the sure. date, but it was a was was late, that, late January yeah, sometime. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, when you heard that he was leaving, was was that? What was your thought process there, I guess? Well, I, you know, first I just, you know, I don't think many people at all kind of expected, expected it. You know, Coach Webb has been a, been a, uh, a factor in that, in that school for many years, you know, and been a great part of, and has done a great job of building that, continuing to build that program with great history. And, 
uh, you know, it's just it's kind of a shock, first of all. But, you know, uh, when I heard it, you know, I just, you know, head coaching is not something that I, you know, really chased. Um, I, I, you know, I wanted it. Um, but I've, I've always told myself, you know, you, you just keep working hard and doing what you're doing. And, and uh, you know, if that happens, it happens. But it wasn't something that I was going to, you know, uproot the family, move three counties over and, and uh, that type of thing. But I always thought if the, if the uh, opportunity presented itself, you know, in this county, we didn't have to move, uh, that would be something that I would pursue. And, and, you know, with that Franklin job opening up, you know, we live probably 10 minutes away from the school. So, uh, you know, that was, that was a, seemed like a great opportunity. I've uh, been in Williamson County for several years. So, you know, that, uh, kind of understand that aspect of it too so it you know just just kind of all worked out so when that when that opened up i thought you know that's that's one definitely that you want to you want to look at and want to interview for and at least submit your resume into well you certainly got some familiarity mm-hmm. with it as you said this would be your fourth different williamson county post having been at um centennial and at brentwood in addition to the last seven years at summit um it's it's kind of tough to leave on much of a higher note than the one you're leaving on, I guess. Well, that, I mean, you look at it, that's the hardest part. I mean, Summit High School is a, a great place. You know, it's in a great community. The administration is awesome. Obviously, Coach Coleman is great to work with and work for and, and the staff down there. But, you know, the hardest thing was, was talking to those kids yesterday and, and looking at them and, and telling them, and they understand. Uh, I mean, you know, but that's, you know, the, the hardest part was leaving that situation. It's a, it's a great situation. Uh, you know, so, so the good thing is, and I told the kids this yesterday, I'm, I'm not running from a bad, bad situation. Uh, I mean, they, I mean, you know, the, the senior class they have coming back and it's, uh, they're a great group and the young, young guys they got coming up, a great group and that you know, program is in a, is in a good spot. So it's, you know, it's tough to leave that, but, you know, an opportunity of, uh, you know, like we mentioned earlier, Franklin comes along. You, you've got to at least pursue it, um, and it ends up working out. So I'm excited about being there as well. Talking with mm-hmm. New Franklin Admirals football coach Alex Melton on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. Coach's Corner brought to you by From the Heart Cafe in Chapel Hill. Coach, when you look at that that Franklin program and – what they were able to accomplish last year, getting to the quarterfinals of the 6A playoffs, uh, beating a Ravenwood team that was obviously very good. You know you've got uh, some great talent coming back. But this region, and you know you, you were going to be in it either way, <laughs> but region, right, right. region 7, yeah. 6A is going to be a bloodbath each and every week. Uh, what what is, uh, what is the thought process uh, – as far as that goes and are you excited about that challenge i am i mean you know and it you know being a, being a part of this region that's one of the things that, that coach Cohen and, and did a great job of i think of knowing that this was eventually going to happen for summit i'm um, scheduling you know always playing independent and scheduling some of those teams in the region to get ready to play that schedule uh, including franklin you know including franklin and centennial and some of those things so being able to compete with those you know is definitely going to be a plus for them um you know and you mentioned it uh it i mean there's every week the margin for error in this region is slim to none you know and the teams are similar uh you know it comes down to, to paying attention to every detail and and uh having the mentality to work through that every week 
you know, it's, it's got to, you've got to come back to work. You've got to teach these kids how to respond to, to wins and losses, you know, and teach them that the response shouldn't be a whole lot different. No matter what, you're, you're coming back next week. We're going to work. We're looking at the details. We're watching film. Uh, you know, we're building that, continue to build that, that culture and where, where you just, you just have to fight, uh, every week, you know, and so there's not a, there's not a week that you can have maybe play a, a bad game and, and come out on top. And that's, you know, it's a challenge, but it's also, you know, uh, being competitive. That's something that you look for, you know. Um, so, so definitely excited about it, but definitely understand the, the challenge that's at hand and, uh, but looking forward to it. You know, it's easy to say a region is a challenge, but when you put the factual information to it, you've got four teams in this region that have played for or won a state championship in the past five seasons. Brentwood was in the 6A finals this past year. Obviously, Summit won it. Independence won 5A back in 2016. And Ravenwood won it uh, in 6A in 2016. Just got that coach back in Will Hester. So, I mean, um, yes, it's um, – <laughs> Everything that you just said is, is completely accurate. I mean, there's there's no nights off, and and you know, Centennial is as athletic as as anybody. That's great. And right. you know, it's if if you if you aren't on your p's and q's every night, you can get embarrassed in that league. Well, there's there's no doubt, and and I can tell you, and you guys know, and everybody that knows them, I've worked for for and with several of the, the head coaches in the county, and I. I can tell you that you know how they're preparing, right? You know, I've, I've heard people say, uh, you know, the, you know, we're working hard. Well, well, everybody's working hard, right? So that, you know, <laughs> they're all working hard. I can guarantee you that Brentwood and Ravenwood, Centennial Independent Summit, um, you know, all, all of us are working hard. But so, so that can't just be it, right? Uh, <laughs> you you got to have you got to have more to it than that. And uh, I'm telling you, you're right. I mean, it's it's a it's going to be tough, and then you're throwing someone in there this year. So, I mean, you're you, and you look at it, you're, you know, that could be a couple of plays, a, a couple of things that you could finish first in the region, you could finish third, you could finish fourth, or you could not get in. You know, just based on a couple, couple of situations, a couple of things that may happen in two or three games. So, I mean, it, it's that competitive, uh, you know, and, and we understand that, and so does every other team. So it's you know, but what you're trying to do to to eliminate those mistakes um, and to overcome overcome those things that, that you can come out victorious more than than not. So um, you know it, it's a challenge, but but exciting. We're visiting with Alex Melton, New Franklin football coach, here on Coach's Corner, brought to you from by from the heart on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. Um, Alex, you know you're stepping into a situation that not a lot of first-time head coaches get to step into. In in that, it's not like things are broken there. Again, Franklin coming off of a state quarterfinal finish last year. With that said, you know, what what are your plans staff-wise? I mean, are you inheriting a bunch of folks? Are you um, going to have the ability? Are you looking to make some changes or additions? Or are you that far along yet? Well, we're working through that. I've uh... – in the process now, I'm going to meet with the coaches that are there and talk with them. And then, 
you know, we've got the ability to bring some in um, if we need to, if we're able to. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's all part of it. You know, Donnie's still there, and, and uh, you know, and I know he's, he's getting out, but I've, I've talked to him pretty much every day since, and I'm going to continue to do that. He's, he's that type of guy that he's going to talk, and, you know, I'd be stupid not to talk with him and, and uh, feel him out on some things about what's there and, and that type of stuff. So, so yeah, but uh, definitely going to – Talk to everybody that is there and give them the opportunity to uh, to say if they're you know if they're all in on what we're trying to do and uh, but I, I think there's there is some room to bring in some other guys and I've got you know some guys in mind that I'll be contacting in the next couple of days but that's you know I've, I've talked to a few of them but uh, you know we're in the process of doing that now just kind of getting some of the first couple of day stuff out of the way and and then uh, moving from there. Coach, that was kind of one thing that I wanted to ask you was, you know, what were your plans? Because going from defensive coordinator to head coach is a completely different mindset, even though Coach Coleman routinely called you the head coach of the defense. How do you how do you see yourself making that transition from defensive coordinator to head coach? Well, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of similarities. There's there's things obviously that I'm gonna have to deal with uh now that I didn't have to before. You know, uh, you know, media and, and, uh, not that that's a bad thing, but media. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, um, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and you guys do a great job. So I wasn't, I'm not, you know, I'm not yeah. saying anything bad, but, but it, it's that type of, that type of thing. Um, probably a little bit more with parents. Um, obviously a little bit more with parents than I have. And, and that's not a bad thing either. Uh, but you know, there's those aspects to get, get added to it when, you know, you're doing the defense, you're doing the weight room and that type of stuff. You, you really, really get a chance just to focus on that, focus on those kids. There's, there's a little bit more, obviously, that goes along with being a head coach, and and those are some of the things that I'll have to to deal with. I'll probably have to uh, need to do a better job of delegating on some stuff, and I'll have to do that. Uh, you know, being the head coach, so that so that I can take care of some of the other stuff. But uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I've, I've been coaching, been assistant for for many years, and but I've been you know, I've been blessed and been fortunate to be around some great and work with some great staff, some great head coaches. Not only not only coaches, but really good and great men that have taught me a lot just just by listening, watching, uh, you know, and, and learning from those guys. And and you know, you try to take a little bit uh, from each place that you go and from the guys that you work with. But you know, we're we're trying to we're going to work to put together a staff uh, staff like that at Franklin High School, so I'm excited about that as well. Alex, I think one of the biggest questions that fans and maybe media to a lesser extent have when a, quote, defensive coach gets a head coach in position is, what's he going to do offensively? So (laughs) what are you going to do offensively? Well, and and, and that's a good question. That's a great question. But I think it's our job uh, as coaches to constantly evaluate our personnel to evaluate ourselves and be willing to change based on what we have, you know, to put the kids in the best position to win. You know, so one of the things that I'm excited about and I'm, you know, uh, really wanting to get to is getting to know our personnel, uh, what they do well, what they don't do well, what they can do, what they struggle with, um, and then going from there. So to answer your question, it's, it's going to be uh, whatever we can do and do the best. You know, I've, I've got some thoughts, uh, you know, bringing some guys in, 
based on that. But but the first thing we've got to do is is look at our personnel. You know, we and if we need to change, we will. You know, we've done that at Summit based on was, personnel over the last. I was going to say you've and, seen that happen. You've seen that work. Right. So, <laughs> right, and and you're you know you're not very smart if you don't. You know, I, but but I also don't think that you can you can change to what everybody wants if it doesn't fit your personnel. I don't think that's a smart move either, you know, because you're not, you're not putting your kids in the best situation to win and to give them the best spot. And that's our job as coaches, uh, and that's what we've got to do. But that comes through evaluating your talent, evaluating your kids, your program, and evaluating yourself uh, and making sure that you're doing that um, every year. And if you need to change, you know, hopefully you don't have, have to, but if you have to change in the middle of the year, you may have to change. But you know, the goal is to get all that worked out before you start to make to get it worked out in the spring and the preseason, and make sure you're ready to that the kids are bought in, that you're sold, and they're sold on what you're trying to do on both sides of the ball. Well, we're certainly excited about the future in this upcoming season and what Region Seven Six A is going to bring to the area, and you as a head coach. Region Seven is that not what I said? A, you said six. Oh, okay. I meant seven. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, we're ex- it's going to take a lot of work to get used to not being six six a. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but there's that. It was or, a lot easier. Or five five a yeah. or four four a. That that would that, that's going to be tough. But it is what it is. Uh, but coach, we are really excited and congratulations on the uh, the job. And we know you will do a great job. We've done a great job over the last seven years, and we we really appreciate what you did. At Summit, and and when when we needed your help, you were always there for the media, and we appreciate that as well. And we look forward to working with you more in the future. Well, thank you guys, and and I just say this: I appreciate you know your coverage. You, you do you guys do a great job of of promoting athletics uh, in Southern Middle Tennessee, and, and and promoting those kids and those schools, and and you know it's all it's always a positive message, and the reporting is great. So thank y'all for what you do, and thanks for the opportunity to speak with you this morning absolutely that is franklin football coach alex melton on the parks motor sales hotline joining us on coach's corner by from the heart cafe down in chapel hill it's going to be a lot of fun uh talking region 76a and watching him in his first head coaching job when we come back we're going to talk high school hoops last night we went to some basketball games and had some great stuff so we'll be right back after this when we're out covering sports in and around murray county communication between maurice and i is absolutely vital to our success when your business needs top-notch communication and local service covenant technology is there and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. school sports here's mo and chris welcome back into southern middle tennessee sports today presented by mid tennessee bone and joint chris yamo pat and jp plant with you here 
on this Wednesday edition hump day. What day is it, Coach Mike? Oh, he's not here yet. Mike, I'll, Mike, 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 Mike. I'll work on adding that to uh, <laughs> to my list, is, my trigger list. Guess what day it guess what is. Day is. Yeah. Oh, man. Last night was big night for high school hoops in the area. Um, certainly curious as to what's going to happen today in Richland. What time is that? Do we know? I don't know. I should have texted Brad or asked last night. I don't understand. Listen. <laughs> two teams, two teams that are going to have to do a coin toss to decide who plays who's the home team in the district tournament, right? You got two teams. Those two teams are in the same building the night that they realize they have to have a coin toss. So when do we do the coin toss? Well, of course we do it the next day in Richland. In Richland. Where neither of the two teams are. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess today is the seating meeting. Today is the seating meeting, but but I don't care. We could have figured it out right then. We right here. We we both here. We right here. You have some built-in disadvantages, though, at one of the two places. You got to go neutral on a coin flip. On a coin flip. That's right. I'm telling you. You can't risk. The air. You can't risk the air because there could be some secret ventilation there could tricks. Be. There could be secret coins. You never Home know. flipping advantage I is nothing a- to flip around about. <laughs> <laughs> home and home court advantage in this particular game has well, proven to be vital. Right. Yeah. Um because with with Kalioka winning in overtime last night, what was it, 62 59. 59. 62 59. Three point game. You know, it was 59 50 Santa Fe over Kalioka at Santa Fe. So, so clearly the home team has taken care of business in both meetings between the two. And looking down the road. Even though coaches tell you they're only concerned about the next game, looking down the road, I think as you look at the Region Five A tournament, the objective for seven teams is going to be to stay away from Richland as long as possible. That's correct. And so, you know, getting getting that home court for the semifinals for both Kalioka and Santa Fe could potentially lead to them being in the opposite bracket from Richland in the regions and not having to see them until the region finals, at which point you've already secured a sectional berth. Correct. So so this is this is going to be a pretty big coin flip. And so with that in mind, as JP said, maybe it's best to have the flip at a, at a neutral site to negate all of those any wind, wind opportunities and other opportunities for chicanery. Yeah. yeah. As we mentioned in the rundown earlier, Andy Slaughter went over a thousand points in there in the loss last night for Santa Fe. He was obviously not happy that it was a loss. Uh, his dad, Brad Slaughter and coach uh, alluded to that as well. He said, yeah, he's not going to be happy. And he was right. When I talked to Andy, he was like, eh, at the end of the day, it was still a loss, so well, whatever. In in that respect, that's one of those 
the apple doesn't fall far from the tree type of things because mm-hmm. I'm sure Brad wasn't especially excited about it either. Yeah, and it took overtime to get there, and that was kind of interesting. Um, so he did it in overtime? Yeah, it was a free throw in overtime. It's twice. It's always the free throw, man. It's always the free throw. Uh, well, ever since I jinxed, jinxed Jesse Jennings, I think that's what where we're at at this point. Good job, Matty Lewis, for getting it on a three-pointer. There you go. <laughs> but I, I was – let me tell you. So he's at – He's at uh, 15 points in the fourth quarter with the ball tied up 16 seconds to go. And I'm thinking if he hits a game winner to go over to get his 1,000 point, that would be insane. That writes your story for you. Those are the, oh, those, those are the things that journalists dream of right there. And I had I had my camera out. I was videoing. I mean, I was ready for it, man. And no dice nope. because Kalioka was perfect from the free throw line. Just about, I mean, they were almost, almost perfect in the, in, in regulation. Uh, they were 13 of 15 from the line and then 10 of 12 in overtime, 10 of 12 from the line in overtime. That's how you win close ball games, man. Don't miss free throws. Well, and, and I would think if you ask Brad, he's, not real happy about putting them on the line 12 times in overtime. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of those, obviously the, I think three trips were intentional, intentional, Um, intentional, unintentional. Yeah. Yeah. They were intentionally fouled to send them to the line. And, and and it actually worked out for Santa Fe because two, the last two trips, they only hit one of the two free throws each, which allowed them a chance to tie the game with a three pointer. And, uh, they weren't able to do it, but it was a really good ball game. I enjoyed it. It was a great time down in Kalioka, as always. And this game, particularly, is always a battle. It's entertaining, no uh, doubt. These two teams do not like each other on the court, but after the game, they typically are hanging out and shaking hands and whatnots, and it's pretty cool to to watch the difference between the two. Hey, big game out of Eric Mick no last night. And... Having watched him for three years, I wonder if coaches, how coaches take big games from guys that don't usually have big games. Is it like, why don't you do this more often? Or are you just glad that they do it when they do it? Because I've always thought that he was that type player. Not necessarily 25 every night out, but a guy who can – you know, be he can more average of an Im- 16. Yeah, he can be more of an impact player than he has been over the long haul. Eric Mick told me in my story, quote, Coach always wants, has been wanting me to be more aggressive. And tonight he was, he was just feeling it, you know, had a couple threes. He, I think 10 of his points came from the line. He's but still, that's 15 from the floor. Well, but see, the thing is, his points, he can get points at the line because he can get to the because line. He gets to the because, line. folks, if he puts it on the floor and goes, he's a tough matchup. He can also shoot it. Um, yeah. From the three point line all the way in. Yeah. He's, he's a tough matchup. I, I feel like he has the capability to be one of the better players in that district. 
Well, he, he was certainly great last night with a game-high 25 points, no doubt. So congratulations to him. Talking to him after the game was fun. He was nervous, and it was – you know how it is when you get nervous kids and have they don't get interviewed a whole lot. And it's always fun to try to – Try to coax them to say what you you know what you need them to say, but also make them, them feel comfortable. It. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. make them feel comfortable, and it, it's always fun. So, anyway, big win for Kalioka. They will flip for the number two seed, and that happens today in Richland. We'll let you know as soon as we know what that looks like. You were in Columbia last night, as well as JP. JP was in Columbia last night. We were night. both at the Hardy Lloyd Gymnasium, the Lions Den. As Columbia Central looked to it. Okay, it appears that Kalioka lost the coin flip. Oh. It was this morning. <laughs> and Breaking news. Breaking news. We've got breaking news, JP. Um yeah. Um Yeah, so Santa Fe will be the number two seed in that region or district. So so that game will be played that semi Yeah, it's a semifinal. It will be played at Santa Fe. So the way that district will shape up is Mount Pleasant and Hampshire will play a play-in game. That'll be at Mount Pleasant as the four seed. Mm-hmm. Correct. And then Mount Pleasant will play at Richland, regular season champ. And and again, here in the midst of a pandemic, all of your games are going to be at the higher seeds. So, Which is huge. Yep. Anyway, Columbia Central looking to extend a seven-game winning streak. Got 22 points from Cam Johnson, six three-pointers, four in the first quarter for a 68-53 win. Um, And it shouldn't have been that close. Kane Reed with, I think, 17 points for Franklin County. Central had some trouble with him at times. They have had trouble with him at times over the last couple of years. And... Got up early, big. Franklin County cut it back to 50-41 to 41 by the end of the third quarter, and then Central scored 18 straight to put it away. Um, and when they're knocking down threes and running like they were last night, they are really impressive. Congrats to Q Martin, who went over 1,000 points. We told you that yesterday. He went over 1,000 points on Monday. Mm-hmm. At Lawrence so, County. Congratulations to him. Big win there. Columbia Central, the District 8 AAA regular season champion, ladies and gentlemen. Congrats to the Lions. Big win, big win. All right. When we come back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports, today we will talk about a potential player of the year nationally on the watch list from MTSU on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today. Presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Beck Dental Care, Columbia Academy, Jones & Lang Sporting Goods, Andy Wilhoyt with United Country Realty, the Law Office of David A. Bates, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. Specializing in orthopedic injuries, their ortho-quick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit them online at mtbj.net.
Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. With TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton, here's Chris Yao. Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton, J.P. Plant with you on this Hump Day edition. It is a overcast day outside the window here, but not necessarily a bad thing as we get a chance to talk about more MTSU as we we normally do this on Monday, but there was a special press conference you attended yesterday, Mo, and uh, we've talked about Anastasia Hayes on this program quite a bit, but it's hard not to talk about the nation's leading scorer in NCAA women's basketball. 28.6 points per game. 21 straight games of 20-plus points. Um, That's impressive. <laughs> that's, yeah. I mean. That's Especially pre- that, when you're when you're talking about going back-to-back nights. Yeah. Like they're doing in conference play. And, you know, you know for a guard, and we, we got to speak with and listen to Anastasia Hayes and, and with Rick Ensel during a um, Zoom press conference yesterday kind of um, promoting her for some national awards. She is on the Don Staley Award late season watch list. She is on the Becky Hammond Mid-Major Player of the Year mid-season watch list. She is on the Jersey Mike's Naismith Award watch list. And this is um, pretty – Pretty impressive for a for a young lady from Middle Tennessee State to be garnering this kind of national she, attention, but she certainly earned it. She is the only mid major representative on the on the the watch list. There, everyone else is from a Power, Power five. five conference. Yeah. So, so she's kind of carrying that banner. Um, if she were to end the season as the number one scorer in the country, it would mark the first, the fourth time that Rick Ensel has coached and that MTSU has had a nation's leading scorer. Um, three straight years, Amber Holt in 2008 and Alicia Clark in 2009 and 2010. Um, Alicia having played at Mount, Mount Juliet, um, currently playing in the WNBA. Amber Holt played in the WNBA. And and he talked a little bit about that that both of them were why does more, he why does he talk about that Mo because you asked him about that well, <laughs> at any rate because <laughs> that's what Hall of Famers do they ask the right questions well we try we try but um you know both both Amber and Alicia were were forward post type players um Anastasia doing it from the guard spot and and one of the places that he said that she has really picked up her game is being able to knock down the three with more consistency to go with her ability to get to the glass and and put the ball on the glass and and get fouled and go to the free throw line because one on one you just can't stay in front of her. So um she's got a lot going for her and um and now she's going to get some rest because Middle was scheduled to play this weekend against Marshall on Friday and Saturday. Those games have been postponed. Presumably it's pandemic-related. I don't know whose end it's on. So as of right now, 
middle won't play again until February 19th and 20th when they travel to Ruston, Louisiana to take on the Lady Texters of Louisiana Tech. And let me tell you, as someone who has been to the Ruston, Monroe, Grambling area <laughs> more than once, that's, I hope that, that's I, one time too many. I hope they have a good time. I hope they at least win a couple of ball games because otherwise there's no sense in being there. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, it's brutal. Yeah. So it's it's not the place to be. It's not. It's really not. There. It's funny that uh when I was in another life when I was working as a booking agent for some music acts there is a a venue, a music venue in Ruston called the Dog House, and I booked for that venue because it was also the name of the venue in Starkville, Mississippi, that they owned. That was also named the Dog House, uh, and, and it kind of makes sense because oh, Louisiana exactly. Tech's um, men's teams are the Bulldogs. Are. Again, the women's basketball team is the Lady Texters. Whatever the the Texters. Not T E X T texters, but T-E-X-T. they probably are texting pretty regularly. <laughs> Where were uh, that team, the Lady Texters and the Lady Vols basketball mm-hmm. team, two at the four, maybe the only two that made a stand about going all gender neutral with mascots in college sports? I don't know that Louisiana Tech ever went gender neutral because. Sonya Hogg probably would have risen from the dead if they had tried to get rid of they, Lady They Texas. fought it from the beginning, right? Yeah. 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 Um, but Louisiana Tech and UT were at the forefront of women's basketball when, you know, during the later days of the AIAW and as the NCAA began to sponsor women's basketball and that kind of thing, they were they, – they battled a lot. I mean that was appointment TV back in the um, oh yeah back in the eighties when they played, and so. they they were even I mean Louisiana Tech wasn't as good but they were even good into the mid nineties even late nineties at some point, and obviously they've fallen off since. But I covered a um, NCAA tournament game well tournament games plural down there when um when Leon Barmore was there and and that's when they were still you know really playing at a high level. Like you said, they've dropped off a little bit since. But um, this will be a big series. And, again, Anastasia and Middle will have gotten some rest because they're not playing this Marshall home and home. And home. <laughs> or where was it? Yeah, that wasn't that was supposed to that be That was here. supposed to be at home because the men are at Marshall. That's right. Yeah. So. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of eyes on Anastasia right now. The ex-Riverdale standout um, transfer from UT where she was the sixth player, the SEC's sixth player of the year as a freshman before transferring. So, Yeah, I, you know, and getting her at middle is a big get. And I really feel like she, she did what was best for her. I, she would certainly help this Tennessee team. Uh, but that's neither here nor there at this point. She's doing a great job at middle, and congratulations to her. I don't know that I see her winning the Naismith, but I certainly don't see anybody who's anywhere close to her in the Becky Hammond Mid-Major Player of the Year Award. 
Uh, probably. Well, I mean, I think at this point, the conference, conference USA probably has to retire its player of the week award because, <laughs> or maybe just rename, rename it, it, the <laughs> Anastasia Hayes player of the week award, because I think she's won it at least half of the times that it's been presented this season. Just Mid- middle, by the way, 12 and five overall. And, um, they had just, they had a five game win streak snapped. In the second game this past weekend over at Charlotte, they are 10-2 and two in conference play. So, rolling. Yeah. Rolling as best you can in the middle of a pandemic. It would be – let me just say that uh, Paige Buchers ought to be the player of the year just for her – just for her role in beating both South Carolina and Tennessee on last-second shots. One, she's a freshman. Two, she plays for UConn. Not necessarily uh, in that order, but I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah, just know. just for those performances, I think I'd have to give her the award. Because my goodness, yeah, that girl. Oof. And it, and playing on a on a bum leg against Tennessee and still hitting the shot to win it. I mean, ah, golly. She's, Fantastic. She's impressive. Renaya Davis also on that list from Tennessee. Um, and Jasmine Walker from Alabama, couple, couple A and M, a Kentucky name, Ryan Howard, uh, Rikia Jackson from Mississippi State, Chelsea Dungy from Arkansas, Zaya Cook obviously from South Carolina, and a lot Leah of Oldham. SEC names on here. Yeah, I, which I love to see. Yeah, you know, the SEC women's basketball has certainly stepped up its game. And uh, think uh, that that has a lot to do with you know the unfortunate fall of Tennessee from you know sure. a decade ago, mm-hmm. and instead of everybody in the southeast Tennessee or bust, you know everybody's kind of, it's it's kind of spread out a little bit, which hurts as far as trying to win national championships because UConn and those. You know those teams are are still the cream of the crop. Baylor, of course, mm-hmm. uh, Stanford is still up there. But you know the SEC has certainly become a little more uh, ha- with a little more parity, and it makes the basketball better. Uh, it doesn't necessarily make it better for a fan of one of those that teams. team, yeah. unless you're a fan off. of South Carolina or maybe Mississippi State right, right. now. So, so yeah. I just you know. Women's basketball in general has gotten better over the last two decades, and I enjoy watching it. I enjoy watching high school girl basketball. I enjoy watching NCAA women's basketball. It's 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 a different game, but when you get two teams who are very good, it is really fantastic. <laughs> I just I, I just remember when, you know, when UT and Auburn played for a national championship, when UT and Georgia played for a national championship, when the SEC was at the forefront, when when they were women's basketball and you know, I don't know if it will ever get back to that, but it's nice to see you know, Tennessee kind of regaining its groove and to see South Carolina, Mississippi State. And, you know, we were talking about Arkansas here not too long ago. That's what they brought Mike Neighbors back here for was to to elevate that program. You know, Texas A&M and Gary Blair, is <laughs> he does a fantastic job and has for a long time. And it's just nice to see the conference 
kind of starting to regain or return to that national prominence that, that they enjoyed for, for a long time before other folks started putting the resources into women's basketball. Everybody else was playing catch-up to the SEC for a long time, and, and they have managed to catch up and pass, unfortunately. So, like I said, it, it's just fun to see them in that light on that stage again and not just you know not just South Carolina we kind of veered off we did but um, But that's okay and that's and that's fine I mean I mean obviously we are excited about the the prospect of Anastasia being on these player of the mm -hmm. year awards watch lists and finalists for the Dawn Staley awards she's one of 16 in that one so but you know, I, just talking women's hoops is is something we don't get a lot. We don't get to do a lot. Um, matter of fact, I think did Belmont win last night? I think Belmont's women uh, got a big conference win last night. Um, no, they 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 actually lost to Semo seventy to sixty six. It was. Uh, they were outscored. I was about to say they were winning going into the at halftime and got outscored in the second half, 44 to 30. Ooh. So, okay. Yeah. Not what you, not what you're looking for. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to see all that play out. Cause I was obviously watching <laughs> a high school game. It's funny how that works, but yeah. Um, I'm just impressed with the level of basketball that we get to see both men's and women's in the middle Tennessee area, as far as college goes, especially with the, you know, these, the mid majors, the OVCs, even Martin Methodist, who got a big win over life earlier this week. It's impressive to see the the level of basketball in this area. It really is. So. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of that is due to local talent, which is even better. Like Anastasia Hayes mm -hmm. playing at home, which is interesting in itself to me. Uh, yeah, you know, um, again on that press conference yesterday, Rick Ensel said that he he did not recruit Anastasia out of high school, and um, I I think it's probably because he felt like she was destined for a UConn, for a UT, that kind of thing, and to try to get into that mix was. Not going to be easy, but you know when she decided to leave UT, she certainly knew what was going on in Murfreesboro and made the move, and it's paid off for. And a credit to Rick Ensel for realizing he did have a chance at that point. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Speaking it's of women's and college and girls, uh, girls basketball, big, big district tournament coming up. Within an 11 AAA, Spring Hill got that win last night over Centennial. Hopefully, they're going to be getting back on track after losing four of their last five. A That's going to be a, a very interesting tournament to watch. Big game tonight in terms of that tournament With as Brentwood, Brentwood travels to Summit. Yeah, Summit coming off of a um, big win last night. Summit beat Brentwood last time they played, so... Brentwood is definitely going to be on a uh, 
on another level tonight trying to you know get that one back because as we saw against Spring Hill they don't like to lose to you twice yeah yeah that second time around they they kind of um turn up the pressure a little bit so that'll be one to keep an eye on tonight I think no doubt all right let's uh let's take a quick break JP and when we come back we'll talk about uh the Washington Post and their obituary for Marty Schottenheimer which was trash can juice exactly and some other things regarding the Star Spangled Banner on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Barn & Joint. Stay tuned. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game you can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. high school sports and beyond it's on southern middle tennessee sports today welcome back into the show (laughs) oh man this morning as we were coming in jp mo and i were talking about ariat boots and guess what just showed up on my computer over here an ad for ariat boots there we go <laughs> that's crazy oh your com- not your phone your computer not my phone my computer yeah mm-hmm. so so yeah, it's there, listening too there are microphones everything's, on these things. Absolutely. everything's listening yep that's wild anyway welcome back into the show southern middle tennessee sports today presented by mid-tennessee bone and joint 24 minutes past the 10 o'clock hour and we are excited to have you in whether you are on facebook live we appreciate you joining us there if you want to join in on the show, we've got some stuff you're definitely going to want to talk about. I, I got a feeling. Just get on so- Southern Middle Tennessee Sports on Facebook. Like the page while you're there. Check out our live video and comment. And if you comment, we'll be happy to interact with you on the show. Right now, I want to talk to you a little bit about the Washington Post. We don't get into politics on here very often. We did a little bit yesterday, kind of. Well, does the mere fact that you're talking Washington Post mean that you're talking politics? Uh, it's a newspaper. There are those that would yeah. have you believe that. Well, that yeah, I know, but I'm I'm saying that doesn't have to be the case. And it's not. It's a newspaper. Very yes. rarely. Very politics rarely. is one of the things they cover. Very rarely does the Washington Post make sports news. At, 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 a, at a at a high level, anymore. that is true. They used to, yep. but they don't anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's why I want to clarify that we're not talking politics on this show. We are talking about an obituary that they 
published yesterday. And the original headline for the obituary of legendary National Football League coach Marty Schottenheimer. The headline of the obituary read at the beginning, (laughs) Marty Schottenheimer, NFL coach whose teams wilted in the postseason dies at 77. You're talking about a guy who turned around four different franchises from trash to postseason. Did the man win a Super Bowl? No. But great coaches don't always win Super Bowls. One of eight head coaches in NFL history to reach 200 wins. So, I mean... It, it, <laughs> I don't think that that is what he's remembered for by people that have followed football over a long period of time. Um, probably some 25-year-old that wrote that headline. Get off my yard, you know. Obituary but, writer Matt Schudel or Shadell, not sure, uh, penned the obituary, which now the headline reads, Marty Schottenheimer, one of the NFL's winningest coaches. <laughs> dies at 77 but you you know you know from your journalistic background that the people that write the articles usually don't don't write the headlines not well in my world they did but that's because i was at a well you you wrote you wrote the stories you wrote the headlines you took the pictures and you laid it out but i mean that's not the typical that's not usually how it works yeah so but here's the biggest issue for me great you changed the headline congratulations Here's the first paragraph. Marty Schottenheimer, one of the winningest coaches in the National Football League, whose teams found regular season success yet often struggled in the playoffs and failed to reach the Super Bowl, died February 8th at the Hospice Center in Charlotte. He was 77. Still taking shots at the man. In the lead. Stubborn to put it in there. Um, you know, I've, I've got an interesting question. Uh, Mo, you talk about that those that write the stories – at least in larger publications, often do not write the headlines. Mm-hmm. What is the purpose of that and the ideology of that process? Well, basically, as you are laying out the paper, the pages of the paper, the writer isn't going to know what type of space that you're working with in terms of headlines. So you don't necessarily know what will fit, what won't what won't fit, what looks good, that kind of thing. So just from a, it, you know, the the person who is a, the page designer who has the page in front of him or her knows what space they're dealing with because they're putting it right there on the page. And ideally, they are reading the article sufficiently to get Ideally, uh, get a grasp of the article to write a headline that reflects the article. And yes, ideally, it, because that's so, not always the case, clearly. So it, it's prim- to simplify it, it, it was a space issue. It was designed in that process for the person who's laying it out to have the authority to fit into the space that mm-hmm. they have on the newspaper, uh-huh. the headline. 
of course, things are dramatically different now, right? Because Correct. you have so much online stuff. So how does that work? Now? He probably wrote the headline. <laughs> I didn't say he didn't write it. I, <laughs> you know what? I'm just saying because well, it was because, because of, it was online, and a lot of times, a lot of publications. Writers self-publish. You know, you write Correct. it and you throw it up on the website, literally. Um, and so, yeah, he could have written the headline that that we've seen online. That could be well, the case. He put it in the lead. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, if he didn't write the headline, <laughs> he certainly put it out there that this would be okay to put in the headline. Yeah, there is a. <laughs> Because if you read nothing else but the lead, you mm-hmm. would say, okay, this is a great headline right here. Boom, boom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and the Washington Post probably has digital editors. They probably have digital producers. I'm sure they do. Yeah. Who, who may or may not change or write headlines or whatever. Uh, I know that in our former life, in order to save the story, you had to have something in the headline, whatever it may be. Um, so there's that. But that could change depending on and should change depending mm-hmm. on your your design editor. So it, it's you know it was a bad headline. It's a bad lead. <laughs> Very well, while <laughs> under least. the circumstances, <laughs> while you could you could argue the I guess semantics of what he's talking about. Yeah, I mean a lot of wins in the regular season. Yeah, not great success, but the, the obituary yeah. is not the time or the place to put that angle. Am I wrong? The no, angle no, you're should not have wrong. been the angle should have been one of NFL's long uh winningest coaches and man who turned around four uh-huh. treacherous franchises into playoff teams. <laughs> I mean it's a, should have the been. whole idea of obituaries is to honor those that have passed. You really want to try <laughs> find the good in the you, person. You want to try to present someone in their best light. In an obituary, what did what did Schottenheimer do to this guy? Was was he a was he a Chiefs or a Redskins fan? He might have been a Cleveland or Washington. A Cleveland. I mean, he might have been a Cleveland fan, still bitter about the drive. I mean, you know, born fan in the past. I mean, yeah, and that would make it a lot easier to understand. Still not right, but yes, maybe to understand. Oh man, that's great. I mean, I, I'd, I'd hate to see when he writes Ernest Biner's. I was going to say, yeah. Oh, bit. You Sh- know. Schottenheimer didn't fumble the football. So he didn't play you. defense against John Elway. So, ne- neither did the Browns. But a- True. Yeah. A- apparently, um, uh, let's see. I, I don't see anything. Uh, oh, okay. Here's a good one. Leon <laughs> Spinks. Who beat Muhammad Ali in historic upset in 1978 dies at 67. That's another headline from Matt Schudel. Uh, is this guy the? Oh, he is the obit, the obit writer. writer. Oh, yes, oh. he is the obit writer. That's oh, a, so this is that's his a job? great beat. <laughs> what do you do? I write obits. I mean, it's like it's fascinating. So yeah, it can be you, because you learn a lot about people about. Especially when you're the Washington Post obit writer. I mean, they don't just do that for me and you. They, yeah. the obit writer, not for you, obits. Maybe. I mean, for Hall of Famers. <laughs> I was looking at JP Mo. I was looking uh, Mo's at JP. like, speak for yourself, Chris. <laughs> Mo's Mo's going to be one of those where uh, 
Where they have his obit like already written. I guess we know who's not writing his obit. This guy over here. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's funny, but you know, like point right. like like Castro. No, that out- guy. <laughs> that guy. That oh, so you have to point at me to point at yes, Chris to point at Chris That's on Facebook Live. Yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> Castro outlived like two of his obit writers. He had personal obit writers? No, no, no. So so most places for people like... Prominent like, like, people. Uh-huh. They already have their obit written in the event that they were to die. Gotcha. So at some... I want to say in like 92, they wrote, they wrote Castro's obit, and he outlived two of the authors of his obit from the Washington Post, and I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> So okay. so they had to change the bylines on them once those people died. No, yeah. no, they left them. They they left their bylines all on they there because was they the wrote it. All they did was just put the date on there. Yeah, the, the <laughs> passing date, I guess. Yeah. Wow. Everything else. Most, I mean, I mean, most of the historical stuff stuff obviously wasn't going to go away. So anyway, yes, uh, I, I'm just you know kind of looking over, looking over the, this guy's Twitter account. Um. I do see that he retweeted a a Nats story, but I don't see anything that that gives away his NFL rooting interest, which was what I was kind of looking for. Yeah, uh, he did write John Cheney's obit, which you know is an honor. But no, I don't see I don't see anything that 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 gives away his. His NFL rooting interest, although he he does claim to be a baseball and jazz fan. So there you go. I baseball don't know. And jazz. I don't know that he's he's clearly a. Uh, Wonder if he's been to Kansas City. <laughs> that's that's where he'd be. The Negro Leagues. That's where you should go. Museum right next to the jazz museum. jazz museum. Yeah, that'd be good. Oh, anyway. Yeah, All right. That's that's not good. We can we can get off that now. We can go to uh, Mark Cuban mm-hmm. because Mark Cuban has decided we're just not playing the Star Spangled Banner anymore in Dallas. And you know what? I don't hate it. I I don't either. I mean, we're just gonna get rid of the offending issue. I mean, I, I don't think it's the worst thing. I, I think that there are people who will be offended, much as people were bothered by the. Bruce Springsteen article. Bruce Springsteen, who was arrested for DUI in New Jersey here recently. Mm. Just saw that on Twitter here a little bit ago. Yeah. Scrolling through Twitter as we are wont to do. But, um, yeah, I don't hate it. And he, he has not come out as to the reason. Is that correct? I haven't seen I anything. don't think he's made an official statement as to why. Um, I... I, I'm I'm with you. Uh, you know, yeah, there is a um, a romanticism to the national anthem being played at sporting events. Our nation's national anthem. The national anthem. Sorry, I'm... our nation's national anthem. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the office of yeah. redundancy office. Um, so it's uh, I, I I get that part of it, but it it has been commercial for those that think that the national anthem should not be used as a pulpit to protest. Um, you could make an argument to some degree. It's been commercialized. The national anthem has been commercialized in sporting events. I mean, look at what we just saw at the Super Bowl. 
I I thought it was a, it was a nice rendition and something like that. I think it's kind of cool to honor your and we wouldn't have the Whitney Houston national anthem in Tampa from 1990, um, which was phenomenal. When they did that story on Super Bowl Sunday, I still got chills and a little teary eyed about it because it was fantastic. But if you're using it to protest, if you don't like that, well, it's been commercialized. Is that not kind of the same thing to some degree? So that's not yes. an issue, apparently. The commercialization isn't. Here's the thing: but are they not similar though? They're just two ends of the spectrum on the same line. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just you know which which end are you? But they're kind of doing this a similar thing to some degree. They're using the national anthem mm-hmm. to get a point across separate okay. from the anthem itself. Nancy Armour right. from USA Today has a column this morning. Um, the Mavericks are no longer playing the national anthem before home games. I don't know the reasoning beyond, behind Cuban's decision, and he's declined to elaborate further, both to the Athletic, which first reported the absence of the anthem, and to USA Today Sports. So, I mean, so he we, has not said why. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if if we were to speculate – the obvious answer is to avoid any protest of NBA players during the national anthem, right? And to avoid the backlash of said protest and because you're going to catch it on both sides. And so, as you mentioned, Mo, to take that out of the equation, mm-hmm. if we were to speculate as to why, that would make sense, correct? So, yes, yes. Stan Van Gundy says this should happen everywhere. If you think the anthem needs to be played before sporting events, then play it before every movie, concert, church service, and the start of every workday at every business. I mean, uh, what good reason is there to play the anthem before a game other than, I mean, and he didn't say this, but other than we've just done it for so long. But I don't understand. I don't necessarily understand the reasoning. (laughs) A, a, A reply says, uh, to show the freedom that we have in this country. Well, uh, well we got to show it at games and first of nothing all, else. Well, okay. Has anyone ever been to a movie on, on a U.S. Army base? No. They play the national anthem before no. the movies. Yeah. Yes. On, on base, they play the national anthem before. So you're in the theater. Before movies in the theater. And the yes. national anthem comes on. I'm, I'm assuming then those that are in the military they will stand. They stand and so, as they, you know, I, hey. I, I'm I'm not a military guy. I understand that that is, a, and and you should, I guess. But it's very that's great uh, for them, and that is interesting <laughs> because he said we should play it for every movie. Well, I have a friend who went to a movie, and they stood up before the movie started, and I was like, "What are you doing? Do you have to go to the bathroom? What, what, what are we doing? What? What? And, and wait, they don't expectation play the expectation of yes. the national anthem, <laughs> and it didn't come. It didn't come. So, <laughs> so, so how? how how did they handle that? Did they just <laughs> calmly just sit down, or yes. how did they handle that? It was like they, they, did they, they stretch. They, did they stretch. Maybe <laughs> they sang the anthem themselves. <laughs> no, oh, no. Was, they acted like they stood up to stretch. Maybe no, they just they're like, oh, you don't. Okay, all right, <laughs> all right then. Is is that what you call being institutionalized? Right I there? think that's called propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's called. Um, Nancy Armour says the Mavericks won 13 games regular and preseason before anyone even noticed the absence of the anthem. Granted, Monday night's game against Minnesota was the first that fans were allowed at American Airlines Center, and there were only 1,500 of them. But none of the players, coaches, or building staff had considered the anthem's 
absence notable enough to mention it earlier. If any of the fans at Monday night's games were upset, they haven't said so publicly. There have been no protests, no burning of jerseys, no angry vows on Facebook to never buy season tickets again. So, Yeah, it, it, it's apparently just, you know, people who want to politicize the national anthem who are upset. I, I tell you, I, I think Mark Cuban may be the wrong person to challenge on this because anybody that says that they are canceling their season tickets, he'll probably just give them literally to somebody else. The guy has more money than anything in the world. But is anybody canceling their season tickets because of this? Doesn't appear. Not no. as of right now. Yeah. I I have every reason to think that'll change. It might. I I don't think it'll be you're a huge about Texas. swell of people. Yeah, you're also talking about Dallas. Exactly. Dallas Dallas of the well, Houston's pretty Less. Austin is the spot. Austin is Texas. <laughs> uh, now, is it? Fort Worth is Texas. Dallas is uh, – now, Dallas does have some old school Texas, but they've got a lot of um, – Austin's for Texans who are weird. Bourgeoisie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the weird – the weird Texans live in Austin. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they literally have a shirt that says, keep Austin weird. Oh, yeah, one of their city mottos. Yeah. Yes. They have signs all over the city. Keep Austin weird. Uh, yeah, it, it is a little different in Dallas, Fort Worth area. I don't know about Jody. I'm pretty sure they're. Pro- I don't know how many season ticket holders are in Jody, but Jody, Texas. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, let's take a quick break because it's Wild and Wacky Wednesday, and I got a lot of stories for you this morning. We want to. We want to make sure we get them all in. So we'll take a quick break. It's Wild and Wacky Wednesday on the other side of it. This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Stay tuned. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Tennessee Sports Today, the sports talk show you've always wanted. Welcome back into this Wednesday edition. It is 13 minutes to the top of the 11 o'clock hour, and we are excited to bring you Wild and Wacky Wednesday. February 10th, Valentine's Day coming up. The clash was last night down at Daytona. They, they made Daytona into a road course. So that was cool. That was wild and wacky. If you watched it, speaking of road courses, didn't um, the Nashville Grand Prix pick up a couple of big commitments here in the last little bit? They they did. I, I know uh, Jimmy Johnson's going to be a part of it. Helio uh, Castaneves. Helio Castaneves is going to be a part of it. Mister Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> uh, 
So yeah, it's a. I'm really excited about the the Music City Grand Prix, like for real excited. It's going to be great. Um, but real quick, Wild Wacky Wednesday brought to you by JJ's Barbecue, located at 900 Hatcher Lane. Go check them out. Tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. Get a loaded potato or some smoked wings or mm-hmm. all kinds of great stuff over there. We appreciate the folks, Destiny, who is always hooking us up with the information. And, uh, of course, Miss Julie Webster down there. Appreciate all of their hard work. They are the oldest family-owned barbecue restaurant in Columbia since 1998. All right, here we go. Let's start off with last week. 37-year-old woman in Connecticut took her truck out to do donuts in a parking lot during a snowstorm, but she lost control. The truck fell into an icy harbor. The fire department had to come to the rescue, and the woman was charged with reckless operations. So Mm. not only did she lose her car, she also was arrested... (laughs) Uh, that's called adding insult to injury. <laughs> that's tough right there. The rescue took about an hour as the truck slowly sank through the ice. The guy was totally submerged. It says the guy was the the guy was totally submerged for 15 seconds, but that now I'm confused. All right. This story is confusing. Confusing. It I, I'm pretty sure it's a woman um because at the end it says, okay, the, here are the last three sentences. The guy was even totally submerged for 15 seconds before dive cues rescued him. The guy was even taken to the hospital for treatment, but the woman refused. There were two people in the car. Got it. Okay. All right. Anyway. Interesting. She was charged with reckless operation of a vehicle. <laughs> As I said, it is. You know, Valentine's on Sunday, right? Ah, yes. That's a good reminder, Chris. <laughs> Valentine's on Sunday? Well, it's the most romantic time of the year, and you never know when it's love at first sight might just happen. Demetrius Lewis in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, had a virtual court appearance on Thursday. and Well, <laughs> his attempted burglary charge, he took the opportunity to shoot his shot with Judge Tabitha Blackman. <laughs> he said on this on this virtual court appearance, he said, quote, Judge, you are so gorgeous. So gorgeous, mm. Judge. I just had to tell you, you're gorgeous. <laughs> mm. Blackman thanked him, said, flattery will get you everywhere, but maybe not here. She ruled there was probable charge to probable cause to charge him and gave him a five thousand dollar bond. Not going to have enough money to take her out. Well done. On that $5,000 bond. Oh. A for effort, though, right? A for effort. Shoot your shot. And I will... T- Shoot your shot. Shoot your shot, Let, me, let I mean, me just throw this out there. You never know. Let, let me show you guys. Um, <clears throat> Not a bad plan. Because she's obviously very attractive. So, very attractive judge, Tabitha Blackman. So it was warranted. What whatever issues Demetrius Lewis has, that's not one. Of taste them. is not one of them. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, man. How you doing? How you doing? The front cuff but casual suspect greets the judge at the start of his hearing. Oh, nice. The old Joey Tribbiani. How you doing? That's right. No, no, no. You misread it. Judge, you is so gorgeous, a judge. You is so gorgeous. Oh, that's important. Yeah. There you go. I was I was reading the the official story, which parentheses are instead of is. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yes, yes. Speaking of, did you guys see the cat video? Uh, um, yes. <laughs> when I tell you, I was doubled over after he said <laughs> he said. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. I'm, live. I'm, not, I'm a not a cat. I'm not a cat. I'm my assistant is not working. A rat. <laughs> he said my assistant's working to fix it, but I'm I'm ready to proceed. Uh, the fact that he had to specify I am not a cat. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what a cat would say, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> Anyway. Uh, Dr. Seuss would have been proud. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a cat. I am not a cat. Oh, let's uh, let, let's let's stay on the the dumb criminals. What do you say? Because a guy in Oregon with a, b- a bumper sticker. Well, wait a minute. We're not staying on dumb criminals unless you're going back to the donuts. Because yeah, we got to go. Demetrius back to the Lewis isn't dumb. <laughs> I was actually going back to the donuts. I, I admire Demetrius Lewis. I mean, uh, yeah. try to make the best of a bad situation. <laughs> make the right? best of a bad situation. Well, I got no problem with Demetrius. <laughs> D, we gonna call him D. D. Lewis. D, we D call Lewis. it. We call him Bob Inicius. <laughs> D. L. Uh, everybody call me Bob Inicius. Bob Inicius. Oh, <laughs> we gonna call him Bob Inicius. Oh goodness. Thanks, <laughs> nice CJ. Oh, this one's off the rim. This is the best wild and wacky ever. Oh, man. How about this? A guy in Oregon with a bumper sticker that said, quote, not drunk, avoiding potholes, accidentally backed into a cop car while drinking Bush Light Saturday. The, all on the bumper sticker. No. Oh, no, no. no. Oh, the guy with the bumper sticker actually did that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> He had the bumper sticker that said, quote, not drunk, avoiding potholes. Nice. Then he mm. backed into a cop car, drinking bush light three times the legal limit. Mm. Hiding in plain sight doesn't always work out, guys. <laughs> well, maybe there was a pothole he was. How much bush light do you yeah, have to drink to, to be get three, three times? That's a lot. At least at uh, least three quarters of a case, right? I mean, my- hey, bush lattes. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say my bladder would have given up way yeah. before I got uh-huh. to that point. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd have other issues then. Yeah. The cop ended up Ugh. getting a pretty good look at the bumper sticker because after he pulled Jeff over, the Jetta slowly <laughs> drifted backward for 25 feet and didn't stop until he hit the cop car. <laughs> so, nice, he basically nice didn't kiss. put it in park. <laughs> when they asked why he backed up, he didn't even know what happened. That's when the cop spotted an open can of bush light in his cup holder. Mm. He also had a gun in his car with no serial number. Oh, boy. So there's that. Oh, boy. Uh, they found more beer cans and a bag of cocaine in the center console. <laughs> <laughs> and he was driving on a suspended license. Oh, the trifecta. <laughs> That's a quad Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. <laughs> there's more than three there. Oh. But wait. There's more. Oh. <laughs> he wins the double showcase. <laughs> <laughs> You get it all, sir. You get it all. <laughs> Maybe he's going to be represented by the cat oh, lawyer. Oh, man. Absolutely. And hopefully he'll get 
Tabitha for a judge. <laughs> Hopefully not, because she ain't having yeah, it. She don't oh, care. Oh, You'd be nice to her or not. She don't care. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. All right. And finally, my favorite dumb criminal of the week. Oh, wow. A guy. I know this is. It gets better. This mm. is even better. No, it can't be better. Well, you're setting yourself up here. A guy in Ohio walked into a Taco Bell Friday night, told the employee he had a gun, and demanded. Exactly three tacos. Three tacos. They called the cops. The guy was arrested. Now he's facing felony robbery charges. <laughs> if you're going to steal from Taco Bell, at least go for like a chalupa. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I or mean, a quesadilla crap. or something. No, I mean, a chalupa. Yeah. You gotta go I'm, I'm tacos? Or the gordita crunch? That's that's the one. The, so the was cheesy it, gordita crunch. Was it a chain. hard shell or soft shell, shell uh, taco? <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't say. DeAndre Barclay went to a Taco Bell in Akron. He told him that he had one demand, three tacos. That's three it. Three tacos. They, they called the cops and did not give him any tacos. Oh. When cops got there, they found him in the back of the store and arrested him. They didn't find a gun on him when they searched him, but he's still being charged with second-degree felony robbery. Hmm. I, wow. <laughs> three tacos. Can it be a fe- I thought there was like a, a, a limit, like a, a, a monetary limit. For could be, felony. but when you when it's armed, it may it be may different. Matter, yeah. yeah, that may <laughs> that Oof. may take it up to another category. All I'm saying is, I've been that hungry. Yeah. I've been I've been mm. I've been hungry enough to need just three tacos, <laughs> but not to rob somebody to get them. Now, okay, now hey, let's clarify that. Oh man, mm. that's going to take some recovering from. Ooh, Trace tacos, por favor. <laughs> Not por favor. No, uh, I don't. Th- I don't there was think no said- please involved. Oh, you don't think he said please? No, I don't think he did. <laughs> he sounded like he was polite. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's it for Wild and Wacky Wednesday. Brought to you by our uh, friends. And thank over goodness at, over at JJ's Barbecue, located at 900 Hatcher Lane. Go see Julie and the gang. Tell, tell them the guys from Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. We may see you there. Don't rob them though. Don't don't ask. Don't them. ask them for three. Smoke wings yeah, or, or whatever. whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow we'll be back nine o'clock. Yeah, l- l- legal is thankful for that disclaimer. <laughs> yes. Oh, we will be back tomorrow at nine a.m. on Facebook Live as well. Make sure to join us. If you missed any part of the show, check out our podcast SM T and Sports Today wherever you get your podcasts. We'll also be. In Franklin County tomorrow. We will be in Franklin County tomorrow on the air in WZYX. So if you're down there and you're listening to the podcast, check out WZYX tomorrow. That's going to do it for us today here on the show. We appreciate it. For Mo Patton, J.P. Plant, I'm Chris Yao saying stay cool, Columbia. <laughs>